Welcome to this week's Hotel Unlist podcast, where as usual you'll have the next 20 minutes or so of our thoughts of important matters of the moment in and around the hotel investment space. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Unlist, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Unlist, as we chew over the reports from the big hotel groups of their fourth quarter figures and their full year numbers for 2023. And we're starting by having a look at uh, what was said by the chief executives of Marriott and Wyndham, who are both kind of fairly confident. A lot of Wyndham's presentation was taken up by talking about the the bid they are facing from Choice Hotels. But um, for now, let's just talk about the the kind of uh, the numbers and the, the tailwinds they might be seeing. Um, certainly, it's certainly the case that it, the American markets are certainly plateauing, if not in some cases, starting to drop off a little bit. But um, both Marriott and Wyndham have a fairly good uh, international coverage of hotels, and uh, certainly the, the stuff outside the U- USA wa- was performing far more strongly than the stuff inside the USA in the fourth quarter. So while the rev power was uh, overwhelmingly positive, uh, on their international portfolios, it kind of counteracted a, a flat or or even slightly negative uh, re- report reporting from from the U.S. portfolios. The other thing that was very positive that came from CEO Tony Capuano at Marriott was he sees quite a substantial tailwind from the increasing return of business and and group bookings, and he feels that uh, there's still a fair little bit of way to come off that return over the months through 2024 so he was quite positive about that um, and then we turn briefly to Wyndham Wyndham of course uh, are facing the bid from Choice Hotels um, Wyndham CEO Jeff Bellotti reckoned that uh, facing this bid and facing the demands of the regulators to provide all sorts of information that they're being asked to provide has so far cost Wyndham $75 million um, uh, as they, they deal with the administration and also the losses they're facing from a little bit of perhaps dithering from people who might have been previously going to sign up to a, a Wyndham franchise and may now be thinking again. So um, Wyndham pushing on, focusing on net growth as is as is Marriott um, as they wonder whether the uh, choice bid is going to gather momentum or gently fall away. Yeah, just to pick up on those numbers in the US in particular, um, something you referenced in the piece you wrote for the online version, Chris, was that uh, it was the economy mid-scale which was plateauing more than the uh, sort of uh, upscale mm. and above. Um, now, what, what's interesting, digging into the Wyndham numbers there, there was uh, they had quite an interesting chart in their presentation which showed how much uh, stronger or how much further um, Wyndham's select service brands have gone relative to SDR's comp set of uh, upscale and above. So Wyndham said in Q4 its select service brands had RevPAR 11% higher than it was in 2019, whereas for that SDR comp set of upscale and above hotels, um, that was 8% um, higher. So what really I, I guess what I'm getting at here is that the economy and that mid-scale piece has recovered quicker than the upscale and above bit and it's not surprising therefore that it is hitting something of a plateau Mm. because that that recovery bit has 
really pretty much gone now it you know it's significantly above where it was in 2019 um, and it's kind of done and now we're sort of we're, we're looking at performance based on uh, uh, normal um, comparables um, but as you just said with um, uh, Marriott um, Tony Capuano's comments that uh, you know business travel and meetings which disproportionately impacts uh, um, at least in you know those white collar business travelers um disproportionately impacts the upscale and above bit um so they've still got a little way to go yet but uh, it probably gives you an indication that we are getting close to the the top of the recovery where it's abnormal growth and we're just going to have steadier growth here on in yeah so it's, it's going to be it's all about it's, it's going to be all about the economy isn't it over the next uh, from from sort yeah, of six months I or mean, so out yeah 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 i mean it's it's been a slightly surreal sort of two years um, where you know we've just defied gravity as a sector um, the strength of the recovery has been phenomenal um, and that's just you know trade coming back um, let, let's dive into that Wyndham piece um, in terms of that takeover so um, we the, the three areas where Wyndham um, says choice is you know this doesn't make sense um, one is the price um, it's not enough and we'd largely agree with that the price isn't e enough yeah, the second thing um, which Wyndham criticizes the choice offer for is its dependence on issuing to Wyndham shareholders choice shares in replacement there's some cash element but it's uh, the bulk of it's being um, done by choice shares and the combined entity is going to be significantly higher leverage um, and of course if if that offer has to go up what it means is that uh, um, Wyndham shareholders are going to get a big chunk of the their premium based on um, even more over leveraged paper mm -hmm. um, the th we'd agree with both of those um, the area where you know, certainly I've had a bit more um, should I say um, dispute with Wyndham has been um, this notion that uh, there's going to be massive regular regulatory um, problems for this combination now I look at this market and I think you know it's absurd if if we're defining economy and mid-scale hotels very narrowly because quite clearly economy and mid-scale hotels compete they compete with short-term rentals and they compete with um, upscale hotels as well so the notion that there isn't competition in in the market is is ridiculous if you define it on a wider basis which surely it should be defined as um, but uh, Wyndham did reveal um, the US's Federal Trade Commission um, the regulatory body involved in looking at um, M&A um, um, that they they've had um, quite significant investigation already and um, they've had a second expansive request and um, um, the FTC is demanding in, in, in Wyndham's quote virtually every communication every piece of data that relates in any way to our competition with choice mm. and that rather does suggest that uh, regulation um, is going to be a major problem and that uh, you know mea culpa um, you know I, we got that wrong even though I would still maintain defining the market in such a narrow way is ridiculous yeah.
the FTC has been quite assertive in the past year or so when it's looked at other takeovers. I mean, it blocked an airline takeover where JetBlue tried to buy Spirit. It blocked a pharma company's uh, attempted acquisition of uh, uh, Propel Media, uh, an advertising platform for, for the medical profession. Um, and it even blocked Amazon's move on iRobot, uh, robot vacuum cleaner specialist so um it's it's something you look at this and you think well actually yeah um that, that you're gonna have to list this regulatory thing as a as a major issue um and looking at it and looking and we're recording this just as choice um issued their uh their end of year numbers and um the current share price of choice was dropping it's down nearly one and a half percent today which is gonna do for the bid if it carries on falling i would suggest so um we'll see where it goes but it's certainly not looking very good at the moment uh, from choices point of view now one of the areas where those uh, uh, international hotel group heads will be looking uh, with pleasure at their stats is uh, is their european portfolios and we uh, we heard from str uh, in a presentation ahead of the pandox results that most of europe's hotel markets have now largely returned to their pre-pandemic levels of business um, their room rates are ahead probably by about uh, five percent on average of, of pre-pandemic rates if you allow for inflation um some occupancy is is a, still a little bit below that that pre-pandemic level but by and large um the industry in across europe and certainly in in european city centers is uh is is, is robust is strong and business on the books is looking quite good uh, according to um uh, thomas Emanuel from from uh, str so um uh, all looking fairly healthy and that uh, fed into some comments from uh, both Pandox and uh, and Scandic hotels so um, the Scandinavian landlord and a Scandinavian operator um, both seeing um, uh, reasons to be continue to be optimistic over the next few months um, the only thing that fr perhaps is a bit frustrating for Pandox is that the uh, cost of money is higher and uh, while they've got some to spend they're finding it hard to to spot uh, deals that, that actually can be done um, they are hoping that um, both those things are going to improve through 2024 they think the interest rates they'll be charged at their debt renewals will be a little bit lower than they were last year and they do think that there should be some more deal activity coming as well um but what was extraordinary to me was the uh the confidence with which uh, the uh, ceo of scandic spoke um and he he sees business uh, very coming back very strong he sees reasons for optimism as we go forward into 2024 and i think he still thinks there's some uh decent operational strides that um they've been taking internally that have yet to play through um you know here is a business that uh, was really on the ropes um during the pandemic uh, you know very much a, a business that relies on leasehold properties and therefore had massive rent commitments when they were getting absolutely nothing in the door and um, they've bounced back uh, absolutely stronger than ever leaner fitter and absolutely raring to go um and uh, they they've also got an interest in what's happening with their share price because they uh, put out some bonds during the pandemic which was which helped them to cope with their uh, their uh, financial demands that were, were playing on the business uh, they've been able to buy some of them back 
um, and they are looking now at their options. They've got all all options possible um, for what they do with the rest of them, whether they allow them to be converted into new shares or whether they buy them back. Um, so a very um, strong, positive outlook from uh, Jens Matheson at, um, at Scandic. Yeah, we've just been talking about how America is now returning to what we would say more normal um uh, approaches um, in terms of the link between the economy and trading performance of hotels um, whereas Europe actually is still um, is still very much not back to normality um, in fact it was quite remarkable um, although the in the in the post-pandemic period um, the US economy has been far stronger than European economies um, the outperformance has been in European hotels rather than american hotels so it's quite remarkable actually and there is still this level of disconnect there in europe um, between the real economy or the, the overall economy um, and what's going on in hotels um, and in in germany in particular it, it's quite remarkable because that seems to be coming back very strongly just as the german economy goes into mm. recession so sdr were, were predicting that um, actually thanks to the return of the big fairs in uh germany um and a bit more business travel things are going to be looking much better in germany this year than last so quite remarkable really that we've got this economic woe in europe but uh uh, you know very broad smiles on all of our hoteliers um the other piece um i, I wanted to mention um regarding both scandic and uh, pandox is the situation with regard to leases um so both are fans of the lease scandic as the the lessee and pandox as the lessor the landlord um both like them um and both were expected to have a very torrid time during the pandemic lockdowns and indeed they did have a torrid time but as you've just said chris they've come roaring back and, and scandic in particular has i would suggest astonished mm. actually in terms of the the recovery that's there um so you know it's been helped that in europe as that SDR presentation shows, real average room rates are 5% above 2019 levels. That's 5% above inflation, allowing for inflation. So quite remarkable strength there and a little bit more occupancy still to come. So that rev par will still be ticking up, even if um, rates sort of stand still from here. And this little actual sign of that at the moment but going back to this this lease piece um you know what is it that's an enabled this you know which anglo-saxons you know have been saying for years that it's doomed where it's the end of leases but uh, you know in scandinavia in in german-speaking countries very much not doomed i would suggest and and still very much the preferred way in which the the property is linked to the occupier so it, it's quite an extraordinary situation now the challenge pandox does still have is that there is a disconnect between um, what it's actually saying is its values and what the market you know in terms of share price seems to be saying it's valued at so it's it, its share price is about a third down from where it was pre-pandemic lockdown um, and 
its market cap is at a 31% discount to the net realizable value of all its property on a EPRA valuation basis. So, you know, you've still got this hefty discount in play there, which sort of suggests the market thinks that, uh, you know, those values aren't all aren't necessarily that robust and maybe there's some to come off there um i think the market could be wrong there um and certainly if you look at um um say um veteran and heavyweight real estate investor blackstone um they said at its full year results coo john gray who was uh, well known for his hospitality investments um he said that uh, real estate values um are likely bottoming um pointing to the the fact that inflation and the cost of capital headwinds are moderating inflation's coming down and interest rates are like are coming down um albeit not to the level they are at uh, um um you know during the uh, post gfc period so um and blackstone has started to become active in in the deal market so it, it uh, in the past few months it it referenced three major deals a three and a half billion one of a residential uh, seven billion one involving data centers ai related no doubt and uh, taking a 20 percent stake of a 17 billion mortgage portfolio of one of those failed uh, banks where we had that banking crisis back in the sort of was it March um, April time of uh, last year um, where the Silicon Valley Bank was the first one that uh, uh, went trotters up of those um, so and you know very encouragingly I think um, Gray said that uh, um, you know these deals were just the start and Blackstone has 65 billion dollars of dry powder to invest in what he described as the um, this dislocated market um he was however um reluctant to say look how fast this money is going to be deployed um he doesn't expect a big surge um in the first half of this year thereafter well it's you know it's a game of guessing again um so it, it to be you know to quote him directly again um we don't think this is some sort of v-shaped recovery and he went on to say putting your finger on exactly what values will move is hard to do but certainly rates coming down new supply coming down are helpful to the sector so i went to that great philosopher <laughs> yogi Berra. Um, and predictions are hard, especially about the future. Thank you very much for that. Okay, and um, now we take a, a quick look at what's going on in the uh, the UK market of pubs with rooms. Um, this is something we take a little look at from time to time. It's something that perhaps gets ignored in the broader hotel market. But what's interesting to us, at least, is that um, one of the major UK pub groups who already has uh, a decent portfolio of inns and hotels around the UK, more than 130, they've decided it's time that they launched a boutique hotel brand. And they have, uh, so Green King have, have born something called Everly Hotels. Uh, they've, uh, they're working actually on doing up the first pub they're turning into a boutique hotel, which is down in the south of England. Um, and they are then going to be working through their portfolio looking for other properties which they can. Um, build up perhaps extend and turn much more into a boutique hotel feel so it'll still have a probably a big a big dining room and a bar 
but uh, very much focusing on the hotel uh, portion of the business and um, they're going to be looking to roll this out around the UK. Uh, they're keeping the, the, they're not sort of setting out loud any any figures for growth, but certainly something they seem to be making a major push into. Greenwich, of course, is now um, uh, privately owned. It was uh, bought, it was taken off the market in 2019 by a Hong Kong-based investor. Um, but clearly, they see value in um, not just having kind of pubs with rooms, but um, what feels much more like a boutique boutique hotel with um, a, a sort of pubish uh, addition to it on the ground floor um, they're not alone in, in liking this sector um, the, in the UK the sector's got a dedicated uh, OTA called stay in a pub and they are seeing increased volumes of bookings um, they did some work last year where they discovered that um, a lot of people who, who try staying in a pub for the first time uh, are then convinced that actually it's quite a good option and um, it's something they'll return to so i mean what, what's interesting to us is that um as these these businesses look to kind of grow their accommodation offer they're not so far on the radar really of uh, any of the big hotel brands and chains um and so it must be that they're probably s- taking their business not off the hotel groups but off probably the um hard done by independents uh, who will be coming under more and more pressure and of course um, that's something that pretty reminds us about when they do their um, occasional roundups looking at uh, the structure of the UK market they uh, are very convinced that there's a uh, still quite a lot more of the unbranded smaller uh, hotels uh, around the UK are gonna fall as the uh, bigger more organized groups keep fighting forward yeah, I mean, I think there is something to worry about from uh, economy hotel perspective. Uh, I think you referenced in your piece, Chris, Weatherspoon, um, which has got 56 hotels mm-hmm. across the UK and came third in the uh, consumer survey by which magazine? It was ahead of Travelodge and Ibis. So that ought to be, you know, there ought to be something they keep their eye on, actually, the, the chains. And I certainly um as regular listeners to this podcast will know i'm a big fan of pubs with rooms and it's not just because i had three and a half (laughs) years working for the campaign for real ale and uh, drinking lots of beer and therefore liking pubs um but um i i think the appeal of pubs with rooms is its specialness um done right you know it's very much part of that experience economy um and it's something which hotels are you know dream about being able to offer um you know ready-made f&b successful profitable f&b offer um which can connect guests with the local community you know hotels are struggling and you know having all sorts of advisors um you know to to deliver this for them well you know mm. here it is it's <laughs> not what Ennismore is working to achieve yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well quite quite uh, you know and this is it um just a, a, a rather sadder note i would point out that uh, you know it's very much necessary this this move into accommodation um because we are losing lots of pubs at the moment um uh, lots of licensed premises so uh uh uk hospitality quoting figures from cga by niq um, pointed out that uh, the number of uk licensed premises is now below a hundred thousand it's the first time it's dropped below a hundred thousand for more than 20 years so we're clearly losing a lot of and pubs and mostly their drink-led pubs eating venues are up 14.8 percent 
despite all the problems in casual dining um, eating has very much been a one of the routes to salvation for pubs and uh, you know in its small way as well I think accommodation is going to be I don't think they're going to it's going to be a massive massive thing but uh, it'll be a significant uh, line and uh, um, and the the biggest and most successful of the managed uh, pub outlets are you know looking very hard at that's time for our five star and our awards of the week and uh, five stars Andrew I think is going back to that uh, SDR presentation doesn't it what what yeah it is i mean it's just this phenomenal um recovery we still seem to be enjoying and despite what we said about the u.s market it's, it's remarkable how good things are still looking in europe despite our rather um um shall we say um <laughs> limp, damp um what's the right phrase um economy um uh, you know you know right across europe the economy is just not the economies just aren't looking very exciting um but fortunately it's not the case in terms of and it's no stars for another regulatory foul up i believe yeah so this is i mean we didn't mention this but this is our fourth story on the uh the written bit of um, perspective this week which uh subscribers um can look at um online um but we 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 um rounded up some of the initial ota uh results um and in particular um i I went on to uh, talk about in my commentary uh, about the uk government initiative um in terms of regulating uh short-term rentals now you know plaudits are due um i was very pleased to see um that what they're talking about is to have uh, a light touch scheme um, online light touch scheme um, but also it referenced quite explicitly the statement that was made um, this week um, that the intention is to promote a level playing field in the guest accommodation sector across England particularly in the application of existing health and safety regulations so maybe finally Airbnb will be forced to require anybody listing to have a gas safety certificate and maybe even an electrical safety certificate too about (laughs) blinking time Um, but of course um, this is England there's separate stuff going on in scotland separate stuff going on in your neck of the woods in wales and chris and um i'm not sure exactly what's happening in northern ireland but it's probably separate going on there but i i do find it astonishing that we're going through this um we're clearly seeing these regulatory missiles aimed at the uh, short-term rental piece and yet airbnb just seems to keep going from strength to strength i mean a few months ago it admitted that you know new york city now has a de facto ban on um short-term rentals it's just sort of obliterated their business this is going to significantly impact airbnb's um supply base in the in england i would suggest um and yet you know its latest market cap was what 96 billion i think own you know double that of um, marriott's or almost double that of marriott's quite surprising note we'll say goodbye for now